I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is Sports Psychology Today. Every week we do a show about success. I interview people about their lives, about how they've overcome obstacles, accomplished their goals, and become successful in their life. Today I'm very privileged to be talking with Keith Davis. We'll be talking to Keith in a moment about his story, about how he overcame the obstacles growing up in Los Angeles to become a leader, a speaker, and a very successful man. You know, this show is about life. I talk with people on this show each week about their stories, about their goals, about what they've done, what they're doing to help people out. As a sports psychologist with 37 years of experience, I've had the privilege to work with athletes at all levels, from the Olympic and professional level down to little kids. We just wrote a book last year with my co-authors, Pete Malone, Olympic swim coach, and Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame pitcher Jeff Montgomery called Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. The purpose of our show, the purpose of, of the book that we wrote, is to help people out, to help people accomplish their goals and reach their potential. And I'm privileged today to be talking with Keith Davis, who will be joining us to share his story. And now I'm privileged to have joining me Keith Davis, an ex great college football player at the University of Southern California, Rose Bowl champion, who now, with his wife, both speak nationally about success, about overcoming goal. Uh, let me, let's start over again. I just screwed that. And now I'm privileged to be talking to Keith Davis, a great college football player at USC, Rose Bowl champion. He and his wife now speak nationally about success and failure. They work with kids. They work with people and how to overcome obstacles. And as we got Keith to join us here this morning, I was looking through his bio, and it, it's an amazing story that, that Keith, you, you have here because you went to 19 schools before you graduated from high school. How in the world did you do that? Yeah, you know, when you grow up in the inner city of Los Angeles, especially at that time, it's so many challenges, but I, I always had a, a, a drive in me just to want to succeed, even though my environment told me, you know, that's impossible or look at where you're from, look at your family, look at your neighborhood. And um, so I, I just had this thing um, inside of me that just says, don't quit. But in terms of the 19 schools, uh, there's a story in there that's actually uh, a little bit inspiring for some young people and a, a little bit interesting. But the last school I went to, um, believe it or not, uh, I ended up crying all night Um one night on my bed, I was in, you know, just a really rough, rough area. These apartment, apartments we lived in were very old, very rough, uh, the neighborhood very rough. And then the school I was supposed to go to was Los Angeles High School, which a little bit dilapidated, terrible program, terrible facilities. And I just cried and said, it's not fair. I have to live here. Not fair. They make me go to the school. So I ended up getting up the next morning and just getting on a city bus and just riding the bus west for about 45 minutes or an hour. And I kept getting off the bus, and I would walk to um, the school in a nice neighborhood. I would try to roll myself. They wouldn't let me enroll. You need proof of address. And my first stop was Beverly Hills High School. <laughs> and I picked out the nicest mansion, wrote the address down, walked in, and said I want to enroll and they, and they wouldn't let me enroll and I, I didn't go back home I just kept getting on a bus and I ended up at the last stop which is at the beach in California and at one block from the beach is a school called Santa Monica High School great school, great 
um, team. A lot of players get scholarships, UCLA, USC, Oregon. And so right before I walked into school, I remembered I had a little friend who played Little League football with me. And I walked to his house and asked his mother if I could use her electricity bill. And then I took that bill up to the school and rode myself. And uh, it changed my life. Um, it, it, it literally changed my life, you know, put me in a different environment. Every morning I woke up, I caught the bus, or sometimes I didn't have money, I would just ride my bike for over an hour, hour and a half to get there. And three years later, I ended up, you know, getting a scholarship to USC. So um, it's just a whole thing. Um, my mentor taught me years ago, he said, winners always look at what they're going to. Losers always look at what they're going through. And I just kept my eye on the prize. And it, it literally was a, a, a life-changing moment in that little story there. Wow, that's a great that's a great story. I have a philosophy I like to look out the front windshield, not the rearview mirror, and it sounds like you. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you certainly were doing that. Yeah, definitely. Did anybody I didn't even did, know it? I just, I really just wanted to play football on a good program, but I didn't realize it would change my my family, my life, my education, and all of those things. So. Did anybody ever realize you didn't actually live there? Yeah, you know, at the end, uh, later, you know, I was a prep all American by this time. You know, one of the top players in the nation coming out, but. They found out I didn't live there, but, you know, um, you know, they, I, I mean, what were they going to do? They just kind of overlooked it. <laughs> so it was just one of those things. So let me, let me ask you a question. So I, I'm really intrigued with how you've accomplished what you've done here because this, this, you're a self-starter. You've done this yourself, and you've overcome a lot, obviously, growing up in the inner city of L.A., which is not a, a safe place to be. Yeah. And and you had to deal with all kinds of issues with your family and you lost your father. And there are all yeah. these things that went on for you. Um, tell me your definition of what success is. And I want to know what your definition of what failure is. Well, I think, um, you know, in terms of success, uh, and I have to, I guess, uh, categorize that in terms of America, because I've got a chance to travel to over 56 nations now, and it's really opened my eyes in terms of how we, you know, categorize success in this country compared to, you know, other places in the world. But I, I really would categorize success in terms of, uh, you know, potential. And, and I say that because I think that, you know, potential is as far as you could reach that you haven't reached yet and all that you could become that you haven't yet become. So, um, I think in terms of success, it's one of those things where you seek to maximize all that you could become. So, I, I, you know, I couldn't read well. I was a remedial student. I had all of these academic issues, but, you know, I ended up graduating really, really high from USC academically, um, you know, an academic All-American nominee. And I, so to me, that was success because it, it made me maximize my potential academically. So I think... Um, and in terms of sports, you you know, I, I got a chance to sign in the NFL for the New York Giants. Um, I didn't play, you know, very long or anything like that. I had some injuries. But I think just in terms of looking in the mirror and say, saying each day, you know, am I, am I being and doing all that I could do and could become? So, you know, I can't put a, like a monetary value. You know, is it a million dollars or is it having a PhD? But I think the other part is, with potential, it's peace. So those two P's, in terms of a peace of my mind, peace of my heart, peace of my family, and in my future. So I think, you know, success 
is is relational with those around you and then and then a relationship within yourself saying that you know when i look back on my life i i've, I've definitely tried to maximize all that you know that i could be and all that was within me in terms of dreams and and goals and different things like that so at the same time then how would you define failure i, I think i think failure is kind of like a um and for whatever reason, I'm almost thinking of a um, an unborn child, and I only say that because uh, I heard an analogy one time, and, and it really kind of stuck with me. And a gentleman talked about um, a child being in a woman's womb, and I remember when my wife, when she was pregnant, and at nine months, you know, or so, or sometime around then, the, the child is. It's supposed to come out, you know, the water breaks it, and uh, or they're induced labor, but they they have to get the child out. And if the child doesn't come out around that time, eventually, you know, the baby will die. It has to come out of the womb, and the simple reason is because the womb eventually becomes too small. And so I think sometimes just within our own uh, failure could be, you know, being in a place that's just too small within us. Um, there were, there is a family, you know, there's, uh, maybe a relationship, there's a dream and it's all within us. It's, 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 it's large, it's there, it's available, but we stay in the same place and never come out to be all that we were made to be. So, um, I don't know if that's a clear enough example, but when I look at young people sometimes who get involved with drugs or alcohol or um, in, in their lives have become, uh, things have become destructive, or when I see people who just give no effort whatsoever and, uh, and you see them just kind of staying in that same place and they become, um, you know, to the point where I think they're, they're existing, but they're not living and, so to me, that would be failure where you're not, you know, coming out to be all that you, you were created to be. Um, that, that, that in a nutshell, because I do believe that even though we make mistakes, there's a second half and there's always a comeback. But when we just stay in that dead place, it's, it's not a good, good place to be. Well, you've overcome obstacles and you figured it out on your own, basically. I mean, you had support. You had some people supporting you, but basically, sure. as I listened to what you're talking about, you know, it, it was self-induced from yourself, and and you had to do this. Now, but l- let me ask you this question, because you speak all over the world. You talk about these issues. What are the obstacles that so many young people have today, you think, that are keeping them from becoming successful? You know, believe it or not, um, uh, when, when I speak... Uh, in the U.S. and even around the globe, some of the things that are common, no matter if a you know a child is you know white, black, Asian, Hispanic, um, tall or short, rich or poor, it, in our nation, and if you look at the studies, you know through the years, it's amazing um, the number of kids, rich and poor, that are dealing with depression. Uh, it is amazing. I call it the invisible bar, or you know prison has metal bars, but these are the invisible bars that are holding people back. Depression, discouragement, suicide, those are rampant in, in our nation. So 
I would say, you know, depression. I would, I would say, uh, number two, uh, when we talk about uh, peer pressure, I think peer pressure has a lot to do with uh, just a, young, a lot of young people doing anything and everything to be accepted. And I, I would just have to gather in terms of that, um, you know, it's a lot of it may be stemming from, you know, things at home because as, as we look at the studies even in our nation today, you know, over half the homes, uh, children are coming from divorce. So you have a lot of, you know, I, I, I hear stories of young guys and young ladies just doing anything to be accepted because for whatever reason, the relationship with the father has been uh, scarred or wounded. And then uh, some of the other obstacles are um, in, in our nation also would just be uh, an attitude of apathy. For some reason, uh, when I speak to young people, they are really under depression that, you know, if I have a dream or a desire, it's it's just going to happen. It's going to happen instantaneously and have no idea that once, you know, I have that dream or I say the dream is free, but the journey to get there, it will cost you. And, uh, you know, you can have more if you don't settle for less, but you have to be willing to work for that. So, so you know, when you look at depression, when you look at, you know, peer pressure, you look at drugs, alcohol, you look at, you know, just a, a lack of, 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 of drive or, or work ethic. Those are some of the things I think that are really, really rampant in, in our nation. When I work with young people and teams, I, I talk about four key topics. I talk about a lot of topics, but four key topics. Preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. And I like people to design, design a game plan involving those four areas. Preparation is about how you get ready to do whatever it is you're going to do. Give a speech, play a game, take a test, talk to somebody. It's about your mental, physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual, nutritional things that you do to get ready. Focus is about what you're concentrating on at that moment and the distractions that can get in the way of you accomplishing your goals. Attitudes about how you feel. I always say there's three three kinds of attitudes, positive, negative, and realistic. And then confidence, to me, is the foundation of all of it because confidence is that belief in yourself and belief in your abilities and belief in what you can do. And what I find, and as I listen to you talk about the depression issue, which is a major, major issue in our society, and so many young people today are depressed. There's, there's a high rate of teenage suicide. There are so many factors that, that come into play with this. And I think social media has a big, big role in it in terms of yeah. bu- bullying and intimidation and fear. And you know, one of the things, Keith, that I've noticed here in the last few months in our society is, and, and, and I'm so happy to see people coming out and speaking up about abuse, especially women and men speaking about abuse. I myself have had to deal with this, this in my life personally. I've had some things I've had to deal with, and I've seen how these things happen. And as a psychologist, I work with many, many people on this. And it's the fear issue, the fear of, of speaking up, the fear of saying what you believe because you're afraid you're going to be reprimanded, you're going to be insulted, you're going to be degraded, or somebody's going to make fun of you. Do you agree with that? Yes, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I think that, um, you know, when you put it succinctly like that, it, it was definitely something that I see, you know, around an issue and a half thing. Um, and it's funny, as long as I've been speaking, um, it's weird how you see you know, the the progression of certain things. And I, I think uh, that, that that is a clear um, 
a description of what's going on today. You know, I, I feel that the it, it comes down to the word fear, okay? Fear, and I, I know personally, uh, people are afraid to speak up. People are afraid to speak up for a variety of reasons. In sports, I've dealt with many, many athletes who have been afraid to say anything or their parents have been afraid to say anything. It's a youth sports situation because they're afraid their child may lose their spot on the team. They may lose their spot in the starting lineup. They may not get to play as much if they say there's a problem with the coach. But if, it, if it's an abusive situation mentally or physically, if you don't speak up, who gets hurt? Yes. You know, and so, uh, yeah. I, and I'm sure you've seen this. Playing college football, I'm sure you saw a lot of stuff. Lots of things happen. And you obviously were very, very, very good, and you played on a national championship, you know, Rose Bowl team. So what allowed you personally to accomplish your goals? I think um, <clears throat> so, you know, personally, I think uh, it, it, it's uh, that point that you hit uh, at the very end of your three, uh, excuse me, your four points, your preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence, and I think the the confidence part is something that you know. If I if I just to be um, you know um, honest, it would be uh, something that stirred up just within my, my my faith in God, and I would say it like that. Um, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a religious home whatsoever. You know, a lot of drugs, there was a lot of abuse, a lot of violence, a lot of everything in my family. And um, you know, when I was a teenager. Um, Something happened significantly with my mom, and I uh, just say that her life just changed dramatically. And I think my mom began to pray for me, um, and it still wasn't a kind of a religious issue. It was just a relationship where I just, uh, I don't think I just say I just connected with God, and it just put a, a real sense of confidence in, in, in me that, you know, if God is for me, who can be against me? So I felt like, you know, even though I can't read well, um, I'm in the remedial class, I just felt like, <clears throat> I can do this. If I, if you help me, Lord, I can do this. So I can graduate. I remember they said I couldn't, you know, go to the business school. I couldn't get in. I can do this. I felt like, um, and I was willing to put the work in. So I would say those are kind of some of the things that helped me, um, quote unquote, succeed. So the, 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 the confidence and the drive. And, you know, um, I, I don't feel like I was, I didn't feel like I was physically um, as gifted as other players because when you play at that level, and I remember even when I signed with the Giants, and believe it or not, uh, at that time our, our linebacker coach was Coach Bill Belichick, who's the head coach of the Patriots now. He's our D coordinator. And you see some players who are just physically gifted. I mean, the speed, the quickness, the size is just gifted. But, you know, for those who are listening who are not, just gifted in that way and you see other people who things just come so easily i think you can make up that slack by just the work ethic and you and we always hear that but you know all right so if i'm not gifted in this area i'm going to be you know i'm going to train to uh, maximize that which i have so if i'm you know for me it was like i, I was physically strong so i'm going to be as strong as i can be so i can maybe overcome my weakness in one area by my strength in another area. And then, um, and then this other part that you mentioned with attitude, I think that, um, I, I'll never forget, 
Dr. Ed Cole, he he was an interesting individual, wrote several books. He's passed away now, but he said, champions are not those who never fail. Champions are those who never, ever quit. And um, I think just that attitude of just determining that no matter what happens, I'm not going to, I'm not going to quit. And, and maybe my situation is a little bit different because, you know, it's easy to quit when you have something easy to go back to. But when I speak to college teams all over the nation now, uh, you know, some guys, you know, I'm going to quit, I'm going to leave school, I'm going to transfer. But some guys, you know, in a situation, I'm not quitting and I'm not leaving this school because this is this is the best place I've ever lived. You know, they man, I got an incredible dorm. I have some great food. I'm on this team. You know, what am I going to go back to? You know, my mom's house? No way. You know, so that whole attitude of just not uh, the attitude that says champions aren't those who never fail, they're those who never, ever quit. So I think those kind of things are, are some things that have helped me, you know, to, to move forward in my life. Well, I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. Hey, very, very much so. Yes. Yeah, and so I think, I mean, look, obviously you're a very, very physically strong man, but <laughs> I think mentally – you're even stronger because the adversity you had to overcome as a youngster and just your story about going to Santa Monica high school. I mean, I, I think that's a tremendous story and it, but but it's, but it says so much about what's inside you, Keith. It's, it's about, I think the internal drive and motivation you have. And also I, you know, I have to say there's a lack of fear on your part. You weren't afraid. I mean, taking a bus all over LA, going into high schools and just say, I want to, I mean, you yeah, were not yeah. afraid, my friend. Yeah. You weren't afraid you know, at all. You know what's funny about that is like so um because I travel so much and you know, I'm I'm speaking some time in some of the most unique places in the world. I'm like, is this a movie? Is this a movie or am I really here? Like, you know, so I'll you know, I'll be in uh you know, you may speak in Europe and most people know Europe or, or then I'll you know, I'll, I'll get a little chance to speak in Japan or 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 South Africa, which is a pretty modern, but then I'm in some unique parts of Africa, like a country called Niger, which is a little bit above Nigeria, kind of a little to the west. And you know, 90%, 99% Muslim. I mean, they still have the camel caravans coming through. A lot of the desert people still wear the wraps all around their face and head and swords. And and you're seeing 30 camels walk through the city while you're speaking, and you're like, what in the world? And uh, and so, you know, these places, and obviously, you know, some violence that happens, too, and people are like, aren't you afraid? Or aren't you scared? I, 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 I actually, I just, I welcome, you know, new opportunities like that. Um, and on that line, years ago, I remember I was uh, at a place, and a man looked at me, and it was like he had eyes that just looked straight through my heart. And he just said, you think too small. He said to me, he said to me, the Lord says, you think too small. You know, expand your thinking. And uh, so what I did is I got rid of the map on, I had on my desk. I had a map of the U.S. And I had a desire to reach every young person in the U.S. And, and I changed that map. And now I have a whole, you know, office. And I have the office plaque right on my desk where I write on that is over the world and, begin to just, you know, hope and desire and aspire to encourage young people all over the world from the most remote places I've been in the jungles of Bolivia and Brazil to Sahara Desert to, you know, the edges of Australia, because I believe that, 
you know, they're young people who are facing so many issues and challenges. And sometimes they just need a word of encouragement and hope. So it allows me not to be afraid. You know, people, oh, you get on those planes, aren't you scared? Or you go to those places and the government is very unstable, aren't you scared? And it's just never been one of those things that has caused me to have that fear, maybe because, you know, kind of growing up on your own sometimes, you just, as a young person, you know, you learn to be more adventurous or just have a desire, just even when there is that intimidation that's looking you in the eye just to go past it. So so as we wrap things up, I want to finish up with this question for you in, in relation to what you're just talking about. What is fear for you? I think um, because you because because if I could just throw this in, you obviously are not afraid of a lot of things. I mean, obviously, you know, from a physical perspective on the football field to accomplish what you did, you weren't afraid. But I think that comes from your mental makeup. Yeah, I think. I mean, you know, obviously, I think I heard a guy mention courage. He said, "Courage is actually having fear, but still moving forward in it." You know. Um, and through it, and I, I don't know if I was to say I'm not afraid. I think it's just kind of one of those things where you just say, hey, you know, there may be fear, but I'm going to move forward. And that that kind of even goes into a little bit, uh, I think, where originally today we talked about, like, even big games. And, you know, you got 90,000 in the crowd. Who knows how many millions are going to watch on TV? And you have this fear that, man, am I going to miss my assignment? I'm going to make up. You know, what's going to happen? And you got this constant energy burning inside of you you know your your mind is moving at a million miles a minute and this adrenaline is pumping and and, and yeah i think uh you know fear it, it, it always uh each person faces it and they deal with it in different ways but you know for me it's just kind of one of those things that hey um and i just have i, I would say inside of me just a still small voice you know just i feel like the lord said just i'm with you and i know you know, like I said, if God, God is for me, who can be against me? So I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna move and go forward. And I don't know what's gonna happen, but I think, I think it, I hope and think and believe that you know it's gonna work out. And if it doesn't work out, you know, so what? If things don't work out sometimes. Uh, I just, I'm just gonna try again. And there's some people listening. You know, hey, you know, the marriage didn't work out. You know, the situation with the kids hasn't worked out. Or you know, I did play sports and that didn't work out and the coach didn't like me or, you know, I have these situations in my life that didn't work out. But I always say, but we have another day. You know, that's why um, my book I'm writing is called The Second Half because uh, the game, there was a game we played where it didn't work out. I mean, it was a horrible first half. But we changed the game plan and came back and had a great second half and took the game. And I say, no matter what's happened, in a person's first half, they can have a great second half. And sometimes, you know, our fear has caused us to say, well, it didn't work out this time and it won't work out again. Well, no, nah, nah, I don't think that's the right attitude. But we do have fear that it might not work out. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. But it's not the end of the world, you know. I think uh, I'm still on this earth and I'm going to keep trying. And I think that's one of the things that, again, like you mentioned, that focus and that attitude that helps people keep moving forward. And that's really what we want for every young person. We want for every person, and I think when parents have the attitude, it kind of trickles down to the children as well. I think your story is tremendous. I think what you have to share with people is incredible, and you're you're a role model, Keith. I I I don't say that to a lot of people unless I mean it. And uh, I appreciate just, it. You know, Thank we've you. just met here today, but I I am enamored with your story and 
what you're saying, and you've obviously overcome a tremendous amount in your life to get to where you're at. As we wrap things up, if people like to get a hold of you, Keith, how can they reach you? Uh, yeah, my uh, website is just simply keithdavis.org. It's K-E-I-T-H-D-A-V-I-S dot O-R-G, keithdavis.org. Or, you know, you can follow me on uh, Instagram or Twitter, and that's uh, keithdavis underscore 98. Um, but on my website, everything is listed, keithdavis.org, and I love to hear from whoever may be listening and connect or and be an encouragement in any way that I could or speak or uh, visit or whatever it may be that uh, they need. I'm always uh, – I, 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 like I said, I, I gave my life to inspiring people. I was at USC in a rough city, great university, rough city, and I said to my teammates, now what can we do to make this place a better place for young people? That's how I started speaking years ago, and so that's still the attitude today, just with a pure heart. You know, what can we do to make people's lives better, young people's lives better, communities better, so they can connect me with me at KeithDavis.org. Well, Keith, I want to thank you for joining me today. This has been a great story, great interview. You have a, a great message to share with people, and I want to thank you so much for being part of our show today. Thank you so much so much for uh, allowing me the opportunity just to share and be an encouragement. I want to thank Keith for joining us today. I think his story is tremendous. I think what he's accomplished and what he's done with himself is an inspiration to everybody. And I hope he has the best of luck speaking and continuing on his journey. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is Sports Psychology Today. We're here every week. If you want to get a hold of us, you can follow me on Twitter at, at DRJSportsPsych. Check out my website, which is winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com.